How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, another day for another study, walking our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And we continue on our letter of the Apostle Paul to the Church of Corinth, uh, a book about um, instruction, discipline, uh, Christian behavior, warning, judgment. There's so much in here that uh, that uh, we can apply to ourselves for our own learning as well, uh, that uh, we really got to pay attention to specific words, which we're going to be seeing here in today's study. As people could take the different books of the Bible, the Gospels and the letters and uh, the Pauline epistles and whatnot, and uh, they could come out all kinds of different opinions and views and beliefs and stuff. You see people disregarding aspects of Scripture, saying the Apostle Paul wasn't a true apostle and that all of the Pauline epistles aren't for us. There are crazy people today that say that. So-called professed Christians that say that. People twisting the Scriptures, watering it down and everything else. But we're going to be seeing, okay, what does God actually have to say on this? Um, <clears throat> because today we're going to be talking a bit about sexuality in the church. And that was a big problem back then. And we were kind of seeing it a bit of a problem these days as well. So we're going to see, okay, what does God actually have to say on this matter? <clears throat> and uh, what do these specific words mean and how does it apply? Now, what can we glean out of this? Some people are a bit... Uh, uh, shy about these kinds of topics some people just kind of glaze over just let it go some people water it down but if it's in the bible we shouldn't be ashamed of it if it's in the bible we shouldn't uh, you know shy away from talking about it this is scripture this is from god's own mouth this is for our learning and we need to know what the lord has to say on these things so i got some interesting uh topics for today um it's a bit of a shorter chapter, only 13 verses, but there's a lot of content. We're going to be taking a look, so um, don't know how long this one will go for, so we'll just see. All right, so again, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you can just hold that to the end of the study or to the next broadcast, we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing. So... Alrighty. Cheers. Let's go. Alright, so 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, we finally got up to <clears throat> the big main issue uh, why Paul is writing them. We, we did see earlier at the beginning that there are divisions and schisms and whatnot in chapter 1. Uh, some say of Paul, some say of, of Apollo, some say of Cephas, some say they are of Christ. Are we not all under Christ? So, we already saw that there were some issues and things, but here's the big main thing. That, uh, as we see by the very language of the chapter, that Paul is shocked. He's absolutely shocked by this, and he's just, uh, just dumbfounded that this is happening, and this is why he's writing. And so... If something like it can come up like this that can shock the Apostle Paul, then that's pretty bad. Now, what is it exactly? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Verse 1, it is reported commonly. It is reported. It is reported. So there's a report going out. Then it's a common report that this is commonly known as a practice, as a thing, as something that's going on. So everyone knows about it. And as uh, the great commentator Matthew Henry, and I was looking up something on him this morning regarding this chapter, and the way he puts it is that uh, this is also why we need to be very careful. I'm paraphrasing what he's saying. Uh, we got to be very careful about our behavior. We got to walk circumspectly because we have so many witnesses, so many eyes watching us. And it's different for, from when a an unsaved person or a, a saved person sins. When a Christian who is known to be a Christian, who is known as a Christian, known member of a church, when they when when that person falls in sin, it's it's promoted everywhere, blown blown up and, and promoted everywhere so much the more. <clears throat> the world takes great pleasure in tearing down the church. The world takes great pleasure. It's such an eagerness to report the flaws of a church. We have to be very mindful of this. Um, the mindfulness of Christ, mindfulness uh, of our Christ-like behavior and uh, who we represent, which is what we've been building up all along so far up to this point. Because uh, people don't always remember the good things you do. You could do a million good things. The moment you do one bad thing, that's all that people will remember. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. But as, how much more when it's something like this? Like, when I say, like, Ravi Zacharias, Ravi Zacharias, what's the first thing that comes to mind? His downfall. The, the errors and the mistakes that he made. And, and that overrides all of his life of ministry and evangelism. When I, when I say... Um, the uh, 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 name uh, other names and stuff. That's the same thing. As we remember the downfall, the pastors that make mistakes, pastors that sin, pastors that fall into temptation. We, we don't really, re really remember so much as their life of ministry as we remember more eagerly their downfall and their sin. So it is reported commonly. So this church is known as a church of sin, not as a church of witness and evangelism in the gospel it is known it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you it's reported commonly there's fornication among you now fornication comes from the greek word pornia pornia uh, which is uh where, where we get uh uh the uh, in a, immorality, in a, inappropriate sexual behavior. Uh, the pornia is also where we get the word pornography. Um, this is uh, unlawful uh, sexual behavior. Um, that's that's what this word means. Fornication. So this is uh, unmarried sexual relations and behavior. Uh, unmarried sexuality. Uh, nakedness all that kind of thing uh fornication 
so for fornication is different than adultery adultery itself is more uh, more regards to a married person lusting after or interacting with someone they are not married with in an inappropriate and or sexual manner so fornication uh, this is something you also see it happen a, a quite often very easily um more so amongst younger folk um but also it's not just just entitled to them but you see fornication is one of those things that probably is the most dangerous most uh effective uh tool of the devil because it's hard-coded in our actual physical makeup uh that is something that that's built into us uh, that that desire that desire but unbridled desire unbridled lust unbridled behavior uh, uh, unbridled morality uh, falls under what's called fornication and this is great sin great sin that the lord the lord will heavily discipline it is reported commonly there is fornication among you and such fornication is not so much as named among the gentiles that one should have his father's wife what is paul saying there well if you actually look up that phrase there what paul is saying here what he's actually getting at is something that actually would happen quite quite commonly amongst the gentiles which is incestuous sexuality incestuous sexuality uh within the family within within close relatives uh brother sister sister brother that whole kind of thing incestuous sexuality that this is what is shocking paul that there's fornication among you and not just fornication but incestuous fornication this is what uh, paul's getting at like what are you doing what are you doing um and this this is what is destroying the church of Corinth. Now I know some people that they kind of <clears throat> get uh, uh, bashful, shy, and awkward around these kinds of things, but this is something that needs to be discussed. Now, any person who would say that they that they haven't had problems like this or they don't have problems with this is either a liar or they're heavily deceiving themselves, because we look around today, look around today. And quite commonly, I'm not going to say everywhere, but quite commonly, you could walk into any house, saved or unsaved, and the books, movies, shows, video games, entertainment, uh, lifestyle, behavior, all that kind of stuff, the way they even dress, their closets, uh, their dressers, are uh, the way they dress themselves and carry themselves is going to be quite inappropriate, immoral, sexual. It's everywhere. It's in the billboards, the malls, it's everywhere. You can't go anywhere, especially in the summertime. You can't go anywhere without it. It just rampant everywhere, all up and down the streets, at the beaches, the mall, everywhere. Everywhere, the parks, everywhere. It's sexuality, fornication, adultery is just rampant. Absolutely rampant. And what's really, really disturbing, what's really disturbing is when you actually look into this kind of thing which i don't recommend you do but it's just how how commonplace it is incest 
Now, you, you, you raise your eyebrows at that, but you wouldn't believe it, how it's actually promoted and shown and taught that it's something that's okay. How many people think it's okay? Blows my mind. It blows my mind. But this is what Paul's actually addressing here. It's fornication, and not just fornication, but incestuous fornication, and how it's of the devil. <clears throat> now we take a look at something here in Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, and we want verse 28. Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart behave towards them in their heart like how a married man would behave towards his wife marital type relations so jesus says even looking and lusting to think about it as it says as it says in the psalms you know, the writer says i have made a covenant with mine eyes why should i look so why should i think upon a maid why should I think upon a maid? It is to protect your eyes. Because all it takes is that second glance. That second glance is what gets you. That second glance. Now, fornication and inappropriate sexual behavior is to promote oneself in, in manner of, of speech, speech, dress, and the way they carry themselves. It is to is to give off that air of sexuality of drawing desire now not just but i know it, it, uh, that uh, people people blame and say well it's the man's fault well it's also the woman's fault for dressing like it and to entice to entice to either look and think or to entice others to look and think that think upon to draw that that kind of sexual attention that's uh, to give across that sexual that is fornication that falls under for, uh, for fornicating type behavior and that is what the lord calls sin to look and think upon but what is also drawing the eyes what is also drawing the eyes it takes two to tango it, it's somewhat it's it's both parties fault one is looking, but the other's drawn the attention. The other's drawn the attention. Now, people can come in and try to fight this and say, well, it's not always, it's not always so, that's not fair. You know, you're being sexist, say the individuals who want to water down and condone this kind of behavior. But look what he says here in the other thing that, that yes, this is going on, but this isn't so much as the issue, the problem is this fornication incestuous fornication other fornication this isn't so much as the issue as verse 2 ye are puffed up not only is this going on but you're puffed up about it now what does that mean to be puffed up prideful arrogant just to, to to give it i'm not doing anything wrong there's nothing wrong with this don't judge me who are you to judge me i think i feel i believe it's not a problem it's 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 just it's just love it's just 
you know, be, uh, being friends. It's just, it's just emotions. It's just feelings. It's just physical. It's nothing wrong with it. People make excuses for it. To make excuses for in a prideful manner. To make excuses for in a prideful manner. Ye are puffed up. Puffed up sexuality. That prideful, arrogant, self-righteous, conceited kind of thing. Like, like, like you see, like you hear in, in, uh, like the kind of characters and the TikTokers, TikTokers, YouTubers, social media types who are so taken with themselves and they're doing the, the selfie videos and they're dressing all provocatively, behaving provocatively, speaking provocatively. That, that, that is puffed up fornication, puffed up immorality uh, to draw attention. Where the girls are dre dressing like prostitutes and the guys are dressing like man whores, that whole kind of thing. That, that is, I know some people take offense to my language, but look, that's what it is. We call it what it is. It, it, uh, you, you call a car a car, you call it what it is. You call sin, sin, that's what it is. And you're acting like, like prostitutes and whores and you're dressing like it, talking like it, behaving like it, walking like it. What do you think's gonna happen? And that's, that's what Paul's getting at here. That puffed up immorality, puffed up sexuality, the puffed up fornication, where you, where you have nothing wrong with it. To you, it's not sin. To you, it's not a problem, even though God says it is. Now, what does Paul say about this? And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth. Paul says, these individuals that are doing this, get them out of the church. Some people say, oh, no, you never do that. You never put people, you never judge them like that. You don't do church discipline like that. That's not right. You don't be harsh and judgmental. You just go to them in love and in love. Paul says, boot them out of the church. You grab them by the scarf of the neck and, and you gra grab them by, by the seat of the pants and you hurl them out the door. Get them out. Paul says, take them away from among you. Now we go to other passages, mark and avoid. Mark and avoid. Now those who do these things to mark and avoid have nothing to do with them. Get away from them. Have no fellowship with them. If they are like that, if they refuse to listen, they refuse to repent, they refuse to walk as the scriptures say, get away from them. Get away from them. We go back to Romans. Romans 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. These individuals are dangerous. But they say they love you. They say they're Christians, but they're brethren. Yeah, that's right. And Paul says, if there are individuals in the church that are behaving inappropriate, that, be, that are behaving in, in contradiction to sound doctrine, and they will not repent and they won't listen, kick them out. That's what Paul says right here. That's what Paul says. He says, it, it says, but ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. Now, what does he mean by mourned? This is, uh, that's called a righteous sorrow. 
This is godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Godly sorrow that leads to repentance. We see in John 16 verse 8 that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. This shows that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit within us is convicting us towards this. Like the prodigal son had committed that great sin and had fallen under conviction about what he'd done and he got up and he left it. So we see he sorrowed about his state and everything that he had fallen into. He regretted all of this. This is and he realized this is all wrong. This isn't right. I'm not doing right. I need to go back to where I should be. And he climbed up, went back. That's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. But ye have not mourned over this. You don't see a problem with this, Paul says. You don't see a problem with this. You don't think that this is a problem. You don't think this is an issue. You don't think that, that this is something bad. But both people agree and don't have a problem with it. Then both are wrong. They're wrong. It's shacking up. It's living in sin. It's fornication. It's immorality. It's adultery. It's of the devil. That's not right. Sexual behavior only belongs between a husband and wife behind closed doors it is not promoted it is not shown it is not to be talked about uh, outside of the home as it even says um um uh, in the it even says in the word of god how you're not even supposed to speak of those things which are done of them in secret those things which are supposed to be private like between a husband and wife you don't talk about it with others it stays between you this is what the lord says but ye are puffed up and have not rather more that he that done this deed should be taken away from you. Now we see also the godly sorrow thing in 1 John 3 9. 1 John chapter 3 verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now the word commit in the Koine Greek means to live in unrepentantly. He, those that are born of God do not live in sin unrepentantly that's what that literally means does not commit sin to to uh, to actively constantly commit without uh without uh, the the understanding of consequences and repentance without conviction for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of god so that means to live in unrepentantly so this is also one one of the flags one of the red flags that you would use that to show that there's a big problem there's an error here uh, if an individual is in sin living in sin committing sin and has no conviction of it no issues with it like for example first corinthians 12 3 it says that uh, uh, the, those are indwelt by the spirit of god do not call jesus accursed so literally what that means is if you have the Holy Spirit of God within you, you're not going to be able to nor want to blaspheme Jesus Christ. That's literally what that means. So, however, I personally know individuals who profess to be born-again Christians and have no problem using the name of Jesus Christ as a cuss word. They have no problems, no qualms with it. It just rolls off the tongue, no conviction. Uh, it says that those those that don't the Spirit of God do not call Jesus a curse. Uh, and if you're able to do that, and you have no no conviction, no issues with that, and you're blaspheming Jesus Christ, that's a pretty good sign that you don't have the Spirit of God in you and you're deceiving yourselves. So, 
this fornication thing is not not so much that people people say well well i'm not doing it is it in your entertainment you look at game of thrones for example all right or today's modern modern entertainment it's it's nigh impossible to find a film to find a movie to find a show that doesn't have rampant immorality in it people dressing up like prostitutes and horrors and behaving like it all in the show it's almost impossible to find anything that doesn't have bedroom scenes and everything else or people talking about the active fornication in the show or whatever it's almost impossible to find anything clean these days People say, "Oh, now you're being a prude," says the individual who wants to who wants to normalize immorality. But what does the Bible say? That's wrong. That's sin. And not only those that do them, but those that take pleasure in them that do them, knowing that fornicators and liars and thieves will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not only those that do them, but those that take pleasure in them that do them. If you love watching it, have no problem watching it, you have no convictions watching that kind of stuff, you can sit there with your bowl of popcorn and you have no problems watching watching pornography and porno-type scenes and immoral scenes and shows, that shows you have no conviction of sin and you got a big problem. But what does the Bible say? That those that are of God will have conviction of sin, will not want this kind of sin in their lives, and they'll want to actively try to oppose this sin, and that if it does pop up, they'll mourn over it, they realize they have sin, and they'll come to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, I was wrong, please forgive me, and the, and the Lord will help you to fight this so that you won't do this again. But look what he says, and you're puffed up. But so many so-called professed Christians today are so puffed up in their sin, puffed up about their entertainment and, and their, their shows and movies and, and, all, and uh, their personal lifestyles, they get offended when you bring this up. They make all kinds of active excuses, looking for loopholes. They try to 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 uh, bring, turn it back around on you and call you names, all kinds of They get angry at, at the accusations that that there shows that that they want to defend their sin they want to defend their sin and not actively seek to get away from it because the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and some people are so weak in spirit their flesh rules them as you see by romans chapter 7 romans chapter 7. now look what he says here look what he says here and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. To take this away, just, just as it says, to flee fornication. Flee fornication. And we see that as an example for Joseph in Egypt with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. But what did he do? He ran. He just got away from her. She grabbed a hold of him, tried to try to grab him, tried to hold him still. He pulled out of his coat and he just booked it out of the house. That you need to get away from it because if you if you if you just hinder one moment, he who hesitates is lost. He who hesitates is lost. There's a quote that I learned a long time ago. It's so true. It's so true. He who hesitates is lost. If you hesitate in opposing sin you've been caught by it if joseph had a hesitated when potiphar's wife got a hold of him if he had a hesitated for a moment that the temptation would have riled up in, inside of him and it would have been that much more impossible to resist the moment sin rears its ugly head get out turn it off switch the channel 
pull the plug, cut the cord off it, as my dad used to say, just cut the cord off of it and get away from it. Get out of the house, walk away, walk away from the people, walk away from the conversation, turn off the thing, unsubscribe, unfollow, delete, remove, get away from it. Get away from it. Go out and start quoting scripture. Call upon the Lord. Go do what needs to be done to oppose sin. As the scriptures say, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Fornication, immorality, is by far the most dangerous of all sins. It is the most seductive. It is the most enticing. It is the most powerful. It is the most natural feeling sin that there is in the whole world because it comes right from the deep core right from our very blood it is hard-coded in our minds it, it, it the, the desire the desire and and this needs to be controlled the pagan the heathen the godless uh, the unholy and the profane will make excuses and say, call you all kinds of names call you prude uh, they'll call you holier than thou and all those other things and they'll, they'll laugh at you they'll mock you that 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 virginity is nigh a cuss word today it's something that's mocked but the bible talks about virginity and not just virginity of, uh, of physical but virginity of mind virginity of mind to stay uh, to st stay clean of mind and thought to be uh, uh, clean of speech clean of body as well and keep yourselves unspotted from this world the devil will try to entice you in many different ways and this is something that really needs to be guarded really needs to be watched over you're puffed up and I'm not rather mourned. Some people say, well, I've already done that. I, I, I have been defiled. I've fallen and I, I've given into these things. What should I do? Can, can the Lord forgive me? Absolutely. You know, we talk about the prodigal son an awful lot. We use him as examples a lot of times now. Do you remember, do you remember what the prodigal son went and did? Do you remember what the prodigal son actually went and did? What he had committed. If you remember, if you go back and read the story again, if you recall it to, to mind again, the prodigal son took his father's inheritance and went off into the world and squandered it in riotous living with harlots. The prodigal son had drunken prostitute parties. Drunken prostitute parties. His father forgave him. It doesn't matter what you've done. Get yourself right. Swallow your pride. Acknowledge that you were wrong. That this is wrong. Turn your back on it. Come back to the Lord. Get yourself right with the Lord. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all sins shall be forgiven them to the sons of men all sins all all things will be forgiven if you just come back to the lord and and ask him to forgive you get yourself right with the lord now look at this <clears throat> verse three verse three so we see the big issue here that's going on in the church verse three for i verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though i were present concerning him that has so done this deed now apostle paul's not even there people say well you're not even here you don't even know what you're talking about 
I know what scripture says and I could be on the complete opposite side of the world and I can judge circumstances by the word of God it, it, it just, just as easily if I was there. Scripture is the judge. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter uh, what's going on. What the word of God says. The word of God is the final absolute, absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith anywhere, everywhere, anytime, no matter what. No matter what the circumstances. We judge by the word of God. Is someone over the phone, through email, text, broadcast, video, or whatever, or even a, a, a tweet on Twitter. If they're quoting the word of God, the, that is the final authority. That is the judge. Scripture is the judge. I'm absent in body, but present in spirit. Because where I am, I'm speaking it. And when you hear it, I'm there, I'm there, I'm telling you as in spirit. I've judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out. I'm calling out these individuals. Verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together, and in my spirit with the power of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for, for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, now let's look at this. Let's look at this just for a moment. Look at what he says here. How serious is this sin? How serious is fornication? How serious is it? Look what he says. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver this one up to get them out. They have no repentance. They have no conviction. They have no business being in the church to deliver this one over. Now, this is the same language you'll note. To deliver them, to deliver them, this is the same language as Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Look what it says. I'll come to your, your questions in a moment in the comments there. I just want to finish up this thought. Now, look what it says here <clears throat> in Romans 1. Now, we see in Romans 1 uh, that, uh, okay, because then when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of God into, into corruptible things. Now, look what it says in verse 24. Verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. God gave them up to their lusts and desires. Now, you'll notice over if we actually... Um, <clears throat> skip over to the next chapter uh chapter 6 of first corinthians look what it says know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves of mankind that's homosexuality Now we see in in other other passages it talks about inordinate affection, inordinate affection, out of place affection, inappropriate affections. Right? That falls under uh, we see the Bible talks about bestiality, homosexuality, effeminacy, fornication, adultery, uh, uh, sexual deviancy. Uh, uh, 
prostitute type behaviors, inappropriate behavior. The Bible condemns that. And it says that these things God is against. These things are sin. And those that commit will not enter the kingdom of God. That's how the Lord sees it. That's the Lord's judgment. That's what scripture says. And if you don't like that, if you take offense at that, then you don't like God and you don't like the Bible and you got a, you got a serious problem. You got a serious problem. Now, those that do these things and are unrepentant and they have no conviction, they have no problems, they're going to be hand, handed over. They are to be handed over. If there's individuals in the church and they won't listen and they won't do as they're told, they're to be handed over. Now, this handing over, there's two outcomes to this. There's two outcomes to be handing over, but it's the, it's the, same, it's the same discipline. Whom the Lord loves, he chastises. As well as we see the Lord chastising. Sometimes chastisement of God, the discipline of God, can be quite severe sometimes. Quite severe. Now, take a look at Matthew 18 for a moment. Matthew 18. Now, regarding the church discipline, regarding church discipline, we see in Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word shall be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and as a publican. That's the words of Jesus. Jesus says, when, when a brother or sister is in, is in fault, is in sin, has committed sin or done something wrong, you're to go to them and to confront them about this. If they refuse to listen to you, go get two or three more. You inform them of everything that's going on. Go to them again. And, and and you try to correct them if they if that person refuses to hear the group of counsel uh, uh, then you're to go and tell it to the church tell it to the pastor who then makes it a church business thing and then they are confronted by the church if they refuse to hear the church jesus says this is how it's to be done and if they refuse to hear the church they are to be treated uh, uh, and uh, seen as as like a heathen or as a publican, and what do you do with these? You put them out of the church. Church discipline, church discipline, as they are put out until they repent. And if they refuse to repent, they're not allowed back in. But if they repent and they, and they get themselves right, they are accepted back into the fellowship. That's what Scripture says. That's what Scripture says. And Paul here is saying the same thing. Thing again as what Romans 1 and Matthew 18 he's combining these two uh, uh, this is the teaching of Jesus Christ they are delivered they are handed over they are treated as a heathen as a publican they are put out of the fellowship now what happens here what happens here it says here to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh now the destruction of the flesh occurs now what is what is that that's the curse of darkness. It's the curse of sin. It's the curse of the devils, which can which can bring in actual physical curse. 
as the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 11, those who eat and drink of the communion table of the Lord unworthily in, in unrepentant sin or they're unsaved and they take part and they get sick, weak, or die. They're delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, sick, weak, or die, that the spirit may be saved. Now, I'll get to that in a moment. But you hand it over. The person who is who is put out of the fellowship, put out of the church, if they remain in their, in their unrepentant state, the devil will destroy them. They will fall apart. Their lives will fall apart. Their fellowship with God will fall apart. And they may even lose their lives as consequences for sin. That's what the Bible says. Fornication leads to death. They lead, it leads, there's, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's what it says. That's death of faith, death of fellowship, that's a death of conviction, where you harden yourself against the Lord, and you and, and you blaspheming the Holy Ghost in that sense as well, because you, you mock conviction of sin, you mock the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Because you don't think, you don't feel, you don't see a problem with this, and you fall in sin, and you are hardening yourself against the Lord, and that that is a great curse to the unsaved. That's a that's the sin until death, refusing uh, refusing conviction of sin, refusing to repent. That's the sin until death, where you will not receive forgiveness, and you curse yourself to hell. But for the Christian, for the Christian who falls into this kind of rebellious state. Yes, Christians can fall into this. Christians can fall into rebellion and stubbornness and, and this kind of a situation that can happen. As we see, Ananias and Sapphira were, were uh, prime examples of this. Ananias and Sapphira were born-again Christians. They fell into the temptation of the devil. They lied to the Holy Ghost. Their lives are taken. They are handed over. Peter handed them over and their lives are taken. As warning, we see the, the, the sons of Aaron, the sons of Aaron in Leviticus chapter 10, uh, where they, they offered unto the Lord a, a, a strange fire that they corrupted the uh, the protocol. They did, they did not do as they were told. They deliberately went and did what they wanted to do. And they tried to offer up their own thing unto the Lord and what the Lord told them not to do. And the Lord took their lives. The Lord took their lives. This is a very real thing, that the discipline of God, the chastisement of the Lord can be, can be quite severe at times. And he, and he will even treat his children severely if they are in severe sin. The discipline and chastisement of God is directly proportional to the severity of the sin. And if a person is being stubborn and rebellious and arrogant, and puffed up in pride, the Lord will deal with you harshly. He will deal with you harshly. He will even hand you over, hand, deliver you up to your own lusts, and you will fall apart. Your life may even be taken. Now we do see in this, though, there is a grace. There is a grace. As you see, look what he says in verse 5. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the lord jesus these individuals in the church that fall into a temptation it gets worse and worse and they they become into this kind of state their spirits are still saved go read romans chapter 7 
how the flesh wars against the spirit and, and the things i want to do i can't do things i don't want to do i do a rich man that i am whether my mind i serve the law of god my flesh i serve the law of sin and we we see this great battle between and sometimes some people's flesh can just get the better of them it's just a moment of weakness a, a moment of temptation and it's just it's, a, it's an off time bad day or whatever that whatever the circumstances are whatever it is you know what i'm talking about and you have that moment of weakness and you slip and fall and you slip and fall it happens but individuals fall into this and it gets worse and worse and it just it just builds up you're still saved but you've just become a spoiled rotten brat of god and the lord the lord will deal with you as his children he will chastise he will discipline and if, if need be he will just say okay you know what you know what you're done that's it come home game over and your life is taken and you're taken home that's what it says but your spirit is saved the day of the lord jesus now i have a reference here of chapter 3 verse 17 if any man defile the temple of god to defile the temple of god him shall god destroy if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. To defile, to defile. Defilement uh, through sin, uh, defilement through immorality, defilement through rebellion, defilement through stubbornness, defilement uh, through uh, bringing in worldly pleasures and lusts and things, and you corrupt the testimony of Christ. When you corrupt the testimony of Christ, you're going to bring upon yourself discipline and chastisement. You, you better keep a short account with God. That there is a warning. And as Ananias and Sapphira, what happened there, it says, and it was, for it was a warning to the churches. It was a warning to the brethren. God is giving a warning. All because you're saved by grace, you're kept by grace, does not mean you won't be disciplined for your sin. That's what God's saying. All because you're born again, saved by grace, through grace, for grace, and you're helped by grace, and it's by grace and not under the law. All because it's by grace does not mean there isn't consequences for sin. Get that through your minds. Get Let that get through our minds. Not because we're saved by grace, held by grace, kept by grace, doesn't mean we can't be disciplined and, and even severely for our sin. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your life. You can lose what the Lord has blessed you with. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. He can remove his hand of protection and blessing. Your life can fall apart. And that's that's a that's a consequence for your behavior. That's a consequence for your behavior. So we gotta be careful. The Lord, the Lord is the Lord is a jealous God. And when we defile the temple, when we defile the temple, when we go against what the Word of God says, when we take for granted the, uh, the grace of God, we try to take advantage of God's grace, as Paul says, use not our liberty as liberty to sin. Use not your liberty as liberty to sin. Our, our liberty by grace, through grace, for grace, does not mean you can go just go and do whatever you want. 
Now, you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose the protection and blessing, and you can even lose your life. Look what it says in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 5. Well, the Lord can even take your life if you fall into sin and unrepentant in that kind of state uh, of a spoiled, rotten, brat-type behavior. The Lord will deal very harshly. That's what it says. Now, look what he says in verse 6. Look at verse 6, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 6. Your glorying is not good. That, that being puffed up, as I see in verse 2. But you're puffed up. That's that prideful, arrogant type behavior. Well, I don't think it's a problem. I don't see a problem with this. No, you're blowing out of proportion. You don't know what you're talking about. Judge not kind of behavior. He says, your glorying, this type of glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of sin. Now, I don't know how many bakers there are in the uh, in the crowd today and my friend diane is here she's a baker a fantastic baker amazing stuff she does there now we know in baking and we see using leaven you don't need like huge giant scoops of leaven in, in the dough do you it's just a pinch just a little bit just a little bit of leaven you mix it all in let it sit and it just spreads through the whole thing a little leaven a little leaven it's just a little bit. It's just some little thing. It's it's just a white lie. It's just a white lie. It's just a cartoon. It's just a video game. It's just a movie. It's just a book. It's just a song. It's just a shirt. It's just a thing. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big problem. Why are you making it a big deal? Because a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. And if you have no conviction over a little leaven, you're in great danger. You need to be you need to be as severe towards a little leaven as you are towards the big things, towards the big sins, big problems. You see, we have a tendency to sin scale. Well, this sin's not not that big of a problem, but but this sin's a problem. Uh, the, 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 a white lie, no, that's fine. But 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 there's bad lies, bold face like that. That's a problem. We sin scale, but God doesn't. We put some sins over others. Some are more are more worse than others. Some are not as bad. Some are not even a problem. But God says all sin is sin. All sin inherits hell. All sin inherits hell. That all that that all thieves and drunkards and liars will inherit hellfire. Liars will inherit hellfire. Lies. All them that that tell and make lies will be cast in the lake of fire. The Lord treats all sin equally. All sin is sin in the eyes of God. We sin scale. We try to uh, try to water down and compromise some sins, but God doesn't. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Ephesians four twenty-seven. Ephesians chapter four verse twenty-seven. It's just a simple line. Just a few words, just six words, six words. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, I've used this example before. Okay, let's say, let's say uh, just a tiny little, you know, one inch by one inch, little, little, tiny little thing. It's just a little shrine to the devil. Just a tiny little thing. 
Would you allow that in your house? It's just one inch by one inch, tiny little shrine to the devil. Would you let that in your house? Well, no, absolutely not. Okay, but, but, but you, like, you can go down into the basement. You could chisel a hole in the basement and you can bury it and cover it over and hide it, hide it in the foundation. You can dig a hole in the wall, hide it in the wall. You put it behind the bookshelf, under the carpet. You can hide You never see it again. You could put it in that dark, upper, far, uh, a hidden corner in the attic. Would you would you do that? Would you put would you hide somewhere in your house and you never have to see it or think of it again? Would you allow it in your home? No, you'd probably tear your house apart and burn your house down trying to find it to get it out. You would not allow a shrine of the devil. But what about small sins? What about a little bit of fornication in your movie? What about a little bit of blasphemy in your songs and in your entertainment? What about a little bit of whorish type dressing and behavior? What about a little bit of skin showing off that cleavage, showing off the, their body to the public? What about just a little bit of inappropriate, inordinate affection? What about a little bit uh, of drunkenness? What about a little bit of lying? What about a little bit of vulgarities? No, you're not a little love and love with the whole lump. And if you have no conviction towards a little bit of sin, you are in huge danger down the road. It's going to spread through your life, and you're going to be falling apart. And as uh, I made, uh, I shared a, a post. I sure hope I still have it. Yes, I do. Questions for Christians. Questions for Christians who are currently weak and struggling in their faith. Listen to this just for a moment, please. Just listen to this. So if you are weak in your faith and you're struggling and you're having problems, just here's a, here's a question list I'd like you just to answer to yourself. Ans just answer to, to yourself in your own mind, okay? What music do you listen to? What shows, videos, and movies are you watching? How much time do you spend in the Word and in prayer every day? How godly are your closest friends? Now you know why you're struggling. Now you know why you're struggling. We examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. That means to examine your faith to see wherein it lies. Examine yourselves. What are you giving to? Now look what he says in verse 7. Look what he says in verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. The old leaven. You see, there's, there's a good leaven and a bad leaven. There's a good leaven and a bad leaven. Look at the language here. Purge out the old leaven. Purge out the old leaven. That's the old convictions. The convictions, the lifestyles, the thoughts, the opinions, the assumptions, the presumptions that you used to have. The beliefs you used to have, the, your, your, your opinions you used to have towards things. Purge it out. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. A new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. We see the old leaven of, of the world. Then we see the leaven of God, of his bread, of his bread. We see the bread of the world, the bread of the devils, and the bread of Christ. The bread of Christ. 
I am the living bread, Jesus says. We are to be leavened of righteousness. Leavened of righteousness is to spread through us holiness and godliness in behavior, dress, manner, speech, entertainment of what we give ourselves to. The associations that we associate with, uh, that it's to be affected by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not by our opinions and feelings, not by the, the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the spirit. The desires of the spirit that have righteousness and godliness in all manner. The flesh lusts against the spirit and you cannot do the things you would. So we need to war against our flesh. We need to subject our flesh with the affections and lust thereof. Put away from us. Put out from us. Purge out from us. Touch not the unclean thing. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We take a look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we want verses... Where'd it go? 8 to 13. Ephesians 5, 8 to 13. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the fruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That means to rather call them out, to, to, to uh, convict, to judge, but rather reprove, to instruct, uh, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame, look at this, for it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. What's the application of that? The behavior, the attentions between a husband and wife, that which happens in the bedroom even, for example. It's a shame. It's a shameful thing to even speak of those things which are done of secret. That which is supposed to be secret, that which is supposed to be private, stays secret, stays private. It's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. The old opinions, the old feelings, the old convictions of how you used to think about something. That needs to now be uh, remolded and uh, reformed according to the word of God. According to the word of God. The flesh has no problem with all sins. It doesn't matter what it is. The flesh has no problem with it. The flesh has no problem with sin. The flesh will always try to condone, justify, water down, compromise with sin. The flesh will always, 100% of the time. The flesh gets angry when sin is called out. The worldly Christian and the unsaved care more about sin being exposed than those, uh, than the, uh, sorry, I had that backwards. That the, the, uh, the worldly Christian and the, the worldling care more about individuals exposing sin than sin being exposed that's how it's supposed to go uh, that you, you hear it all the time judge not judge not who who do you think you are and you, you hear that all the time they get mad at the individuals exposing sin and they make excuses and try to justify and compromise and all the rest of it 
Purge out the old leaven. Purge out the old leaven. Verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven. Now, what feast is he talking about? Well, you go up back up verse 7. You see how we are we are we are the unleavened bread of Christ. We are the bread of Christ. So feasting on bread. That's it. The, the eating and feasting. That which we partake in, that which we participate in. As he's getting at. That's what he means by feast. Keep the feast. The feasting on the word of God. Man should not live by, by bread alone, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4. So, not with old leaven, but neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. To feast on sincerity and truth. Feast on truth. So we are to examine all things. Test all things. Reprove all things. Bring everything unto, under the spotlight of the word of God. Doesn't matter what it is. Now, verse 9. Verse 9. Listen to verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. He's calling it out again. Not to company with fornicators. If individuals have no problem with unbridled morality, stay away from them. That's what the Word of God says. If individuals have no problem, no issues with, have, have no conviction of unbridled morality, they make jokes about it, they talk about it, they behave like it, they partake in that, get away from it. That also uh, comes under uh, the context of your of what you give your attention to, even by way of entertainment. Not to company with. Now, what does he mean by company with? Well, Jesus sat with publicans and harlots. Okay, we see the reason for. The reason for was to teach them and instruct them in the ways of righteousness. He wasn't just hanging out with them just to hang out with them. There was a purpose and a reason for it. And as the Bible says, as the Word of God says, we cannot call the, the people of the world our brothers and sisters. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So we go to them as Christians, with them knowing that we are Christians, and we bring to them the Word of God in Matthew chapter 10, if they will not receive you, nor the words which you say, to get out and brush off the dust of your feet, mark and avoid, get, get out from among them, get away from them. That's what it says. Not to company with fornicators. You call it out. You say, this is what the word of God says. And if they won't listen, walk away. Walk away. Have no fellowship with them. It's what it says. It's what it says. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And we verses 14 to 15. Okay, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. 
This is referring to people in the church. This is referring to born-again Christians. This is referring to Christians who have compromised themselves. Christians who have compromised themselves. If any man obey not our word, if there are individuals in the church, in the congregation, who are compromising sin, watering down, compromising, taking part in, and, and they're making excuses for, and they won't right themselves, note that individual have nothing to do with them. That they may be ashamed so that they would realize that by the Christians won't partake in them, that the Christians won't try to uh, associate with, to give validation, justification to what they're doing, that uh, this person will feel that they are in the wrong and they will seek counsel and get themselves right. That's the purpose of it. You count him not as an enemy. He's not your enemy. Don't, don't be meanful and spiteful to them. Now, don't do that. But admonish him as a brother. Look, you are wrong. What you said was wrong. What you did was wrong. You need to get that right. And I'll help you if you if you want to listen. But if you refuse to listen, I'm sorry. I can't hang out with you. Admonish him as a brother. That's what it says. Now, church discipline is something that is hardly talked about in many many places, or it is severely abused. Like you see what happened with John MacArthur with uh, was it Eileen Gray? That whole situation there, that was that was horrible. MacArthur should be ashamed of himself. He he was wrong. He was massively in the wrong on that one. But some people take advantage of this and they they try to become the iron fist and then they just it's just they defile the whole point and purpose of it. But as you see by what what Jesus taught in Matthew eighteen about church discipline the purpose of this when combined with second thessalonians is so that christians that have erred will get themselves right we're not excommunicating to never have any dealings again no is we we want to keep in contact for righteous judgment so that this individual get themselves right with the lord we want to counsel them pray for them we want to admonish them as a brother there's a whole, a whole proper biblical uh, behavior with this. Have no company with fornicators. Now, have no company with fornicators, whether that be in person or entertainment or thought. Or thought. Individuals who talk about, make jokes, make those immoral jokes or whatever, have nothing to do with that. Stay away from that. Get away from that. Get away from that. Not to company with fornication not to company with fornication now look what it says in verse 10 now he wants now you need to understand especially with the unsaved the unsaved have absolutely no qualms no issues no conviction about this at all that their entire lives are taken up with this kind of behavior. It's in everything and it's everywhere. It's absolutely, you can't walk down the street without it hitting you in the face. It's absolutely everywhere. It's on the radio, it's on the television, in the books, it's in the schools, it's in the malls, at the beach. It's absolutely everywhere. It's downtown, it's, it's absolutely everywhere. It's in the government, it's absolutely everywhere. You can't escape it. That's what he's getting at here in verse 10. Yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or the idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. You'd have to leave planet Earth to stay away from it altogether. Now what he means by this, uh, therefore, 
is not to come to fornicators, is to have brotherly fellowship as you would with friends. Have, to have, have not friendship with this world. What it means by that is uh, like how you would how you have fellowship and friendship with the brethren of the faith. You can't be like that with the world. They are not of us. We are separate. We are called to be separate. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Is you cannot hang out with, with the sinners of this world like you do with brethren. There is a separation, and, and to be mindful of this separation. Now, when it comes to the unsaved, we, we are among them for the purpose of drawing them to Christ. We cannot eat and drink with, this, with the sinners of this world. Now, we go over, for example, in that one, to 2 John, 2 John verses 10 and 11. Look what it says. Second John, this one is going to shock you if you haven't heard this one before. This is going to shock you. Second John, verses 10 and 11. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, the word of God, the scriptures, and they, and they bring not this doctrine. If individuals are coming to you and they, and they do not accept our doctrine, receive him not into your house neither bid him god's speed for he that biddeth him god's speed is partaker of his evil deeds do you realize what that means when you study that one out when you study out second john verses 10 11 do you know what that means when it's interpreted if there any come to you who accept not this doctrine you cannot accept them in your house as you would accept a, accept a brother or sister. It's, they're not even uh, uh, supposed to be allowed in your home. That's what it says. They're, they're technically not even allowed to be in your home. Neither bid him Godspeed. You know, we, we, uh, where uh, uh, you meet individuals and you say, God bless or have a good day or any of those kinds of things. Neither bid him Godspeed, neither bid him a blessed day or good day. Also interpreted, you can't even shake their hand because that is the shaking of hand of, of uh, being in agreement. You're being in agreement and you're accepting and blessing. Like when a Jehovah's Witness uh, comes to your door and they knock on your door and you open the door, they always want to shake your hand. You can't shake their hand. I cannot shake your hand. You reject the, 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 this doctrine. I cannot shake your hand. I cannot bless you. I cannot bid you good day. I can't. That's what scripture says right there. I cannot bless you. I cannot be in agreement with you. You're not even allowed in my home. That's what scripture says. That's how strict. That's how severe God is towards sin. That's how strict God is towards those that contradict and compromise and go against his very word. This is how God sees it. This is how severe God takes it. This is how strict God is about it. People say, well, that's harsh. Are you saying God is wrong? Well, I just don't feel, are you literally going against what God says? Are you literally 
trying to fault find God's word? Are you literally saying God is too strict, too severe, and you think you know better than what God is saying? Is that literally what you're saying? You wouldn't believe how many so-called professed Christians are actually like that, who actually approach these kinds of things. Well, I, I don't. That, that's ridiculous. I, we don't don't need to be like that. That's too harsh. That's too much. Are you literally saying God is wrong? Well, I'm not saying he's wrong. I just feel that you, your feelings and opinions think they know better than what God's word literally says. Well, you have your interpretation. Are you literally saying that the flat-out, clear-cut scripture is different than what it says? Look at what it says. Everything that I've been saying is just plain scripture. It's as clear as the nose on your face. This is what it says. That this is how God's treatment of sin is. This is what he thinks of it. We got to be very careful about our convictions, our opinions, our feelings. Are they in line with the Word of God? Or are you trying to compromise, water down, uh, uh, and condone sin? Well, it's it's just it's just fiction. It's just fantasy. It's just a show. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will allow no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth. Now meditate on the word of God day and night. My mind is to be held captive by the word of God in prayer. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Have no fellowship, the unfruitful works of darkness. I made a covenant with mine eyes that, no, why should I think upon a maid? We see there is scripture for every single part of our being, of every action, of every... In, uh, uh, interaction of everything we do and the ultimate point is holiness purity and perfection before god why would you not want to that's the question why would you not want to hold yourself to the word of god and oppose sin why would you not want to make sure that there is no place given to the devil well it's just, it's just a little thing it's just a, it's not a big deal to you but what about god how does jesus think about your entertainment how does jesus feel about the way you carry yourself and dress and talk and all of that how does jesus uh, uh, react to your conversation to your music you see we are so lax a day sometimes and we are so apathetic about everything that we do is we don't give consideration to the holy we don't give consideration to the holy. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Why do we not pay attention to that? Verse 11. But now I have written unto you not... Uh, sorry. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat not even to sit down and eat with them not even to sit down eat and drink with them
sorry, in Christ, a condemnation comes from the devil, not God. Uh, you got that severely backwards. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. God condemns condemnation, the condemnation of God. That's the wrath of God. That's the judgment of God upon sin. That's the judgment of God upon sin. You, you literally misquoted there, uh, severely misquoted. Um, look what it says here. Not to keep company. If any man be called a brother, be a fornicator. We talked about that. Or covetous. Covetous. What, is, what, what, what does it mean to be covetous? To covet. It's a long ever lust after to the point where, where, where you don't want that person to have it if you can't have it. Where you, you lust after another man's wife or you lust after someone else's thing and, and it just consumes you. I gotta have it. To covet. Or even covetous. Not, not to hang out with them. What have anything to do with individuals that are covetous? Or an idolater. Or an idolater. That's individuals who put other things as more important than God's word, more important than Christ. Uh, to uh, idolatry, we see like in Catholicism, where they, they venerate others. Veneration is to be only of God, only of God. So you see, idolatry can be idolatry of self and money and everything else. So, uh, he doesn't condemn his children, he condemns unbelievers. He condemns sin, uh, sin that's either in Christians or, or not. If you need to back up and rewatch this whole thing, we see in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, we see, that the, we see God's judgment and his chastisement towards the sin of saints and how he deals with that. God condemns sin and he will deal with sin, whether it's in the saved or unsaved. We can't lose our salvation, we can lose protection and blessing. You need to back up and rewatch this this whole broadcast. So, you need to stop because you're wrong all right so and so to, not to keep company with any man that we call the brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or even extortioner or drunkard look at this or a drunkard so we see drunkenness individuals who, who claim to be professed christians and have no conviction about getting inebriated and drunk and that kind of thing get away from them or a railer yeah i'm saving this one uh, for last here on this list or a railer. What's a railer? Someone who rails on someone else, rails about other people, to go off and to talk bad, talk wicked, uh, uh, to con to condemn individuals that, like people in government or whatever. Ra people rail against the government. People rail against their boss. Rail against other other people. Individuals that are like that have nothing to do with them. Walk away. Walk away. So what it says, you know, not even to sit and eat and drink with them, have nothing to do with them, walk away from them. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, that's like talking like an idiot, nor jesting, that means behaving like a court jester, you're being a, a, just a big stupid goofball all the time, that's inappropriate, that's not what we're supposed to be servants of the lord disciples of jesus christ not not stupid goofballs nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks for this ye know that no whoremonger that's promiscuous persons 
but promiscuous persons, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. This is to Christians. This is to Christians. As God condemns this kind of behavior, and he will treat it very harshly. As we see that God condemns things, we see his behavior towards Ananias and Sapphira, who were Christians. They didn't lose their salvation, but they lost their life. We see uh, that the priests, uh, the sons of Aaron, they lost their lives. We see... And the prodigal son picture, how his whole life just fell apart. Why? Because God hands them over to uncleanness, to defile themselves. But he who defiles the temple, him shall God destroy. The flesh is corrupted by sin. The flesh is not saved. And the flesh is condemned to die. The flesh is condemned to die. But the spirit is saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your spirit is saved. You can't lose your salvation. But your flesh is not saved. Your flesh can be condemned to die. God can condemn the flesh, but he can't condemn the spirit. You understand that? God can condemn the flesh. He can't condemn the spirit that's saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand the difference between condemnation of flesh and condemnation of spirit. Condemnation of spirit is hell. Condemnation of flesh is judgment for, for, the, for the actions of sin which occurs upon the believer. God can condemn the flesh. He doesn't condemn the spirit that's saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved. 1 Corinthians 5 5. God condemns sin. Unrepentant sin brings discipline, and that discipline can sometimes be severe. Are you listening? You understand that? You see that? So verse 11, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat. Verse 12, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? Now we see, uh, we see uh, judgment must begin at the house of God. Judgment must begin at the house of God. We, we need to hold ourselves accountable as we see who we are, who we represent. We are servants of the Most High God. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. Act like it. That's what Paul's getting at here with the Church of Corinth. Look, at this is who you are, who you're supposed to be. But look, you it's, it's reported there's fornication and sin amongst the church. And it's reported commonly. Common sin. Common sin. Common sin. Normalized sin. Sin that is so common, people don't think twice about it and they have no issue with it and they don't see a problem with it. They don't see a problem with it. They don't see a problem with, with whorish behavior, inappropriate talk, inordinate affection, unbridled lust, uh, with, with thievery and, and railing on other people. They don't have a problem with it. It's so common. It's so commonplace in the churches, they don't see a problem with it. But look what the Lord says about it. 
Watch your speech. Let your speech be always salted with grace that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We are not to behave like the world. Come out apart. Come out from among them. Be separate. Come apart from them. Be separate, saith the Lord. To be separate. Let our speech be different. Our mind, our eyes, our senses, our senses are to be tuned to that of righteousness. We're to love righteousness, hate iniquity. Not take pleasure in it. Not participate in it. Only the modern, liberal, watered-down, unbiblical, so-called progressive Christian would hate this message. Would call it out, would have problems with it, would say that everything I'm saying is wrong, and say that I'm being too strict, too harsh, I don't know what I'm talking about, and uh, call me named prude or all those other things. Only individuals who have personally normalized sin, watered down sin, air conditioned hell, uh, uh, who fault find God, saying God's being too strict. Well, I think, I feel, I believe, my interpretation. Only those, those kinds have no idea what the Word of God is about, and I personally would question their salvation. If they have no conviction of sin, if you have no conviction of sin, very good chance you have no Holy Spirit within. Make sure you understand that. Make sure you understand that. Now, again, we take a look at Romans 16. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them. What does it mean to mark? That means to make it clear as like a signpost so that everyone else can see it. Mark them, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Now, why? Why? As a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Just as the Bible says, evil communications corrupt good manners. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Is if you do not avoid these things, you will. It's just a matter of time. You will get sucked into this, and you will become a part of it. It will get you. If Joseph had have hesitated with Potiphar's wife when she grabbed a hold, was seducing him, got hold, he had hesitated. It would be a different story. But, but the moment she tried, the moment she got a hold of him, he just booked it out. Give no place to the devil. Flee youthful lusts. Flee fornication. Watch your eyes. Watch your mind. Watch your words. Watch your behavior. Whose attention are you trying to get and how? You're a disciple of the living God. You're a born-again Christian. You're, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're the temple of the living God. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. You're a testimony of the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're an, you're an heir of heaven. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Behave like it. Talk like it. Act like it. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? Look at chapter 6, verse 2. Chapter 6, verse 2. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? We're supposed to be examples of righteous judgment. We're supposed to be examples of righteous judgment. How can we be examples of Jesus Christ if we're not different than the world? 
As we go back into the previous chapter, we go back to the previous chapter, what does he say in verse 20? For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. We're not following philosophies. We're not following philosophy and dry religion. We're following the real living God, Jesus Christ, a very, the very real person, Jesus Christ. We're, we're following him just as his disciples did. How did his disciples behave and talk? Why would you not want to walk and talk like that? Why would you not want to guard your eyes and guard your mind, guard your words? Why would you want to just let your flesh just rule you and, and reign uncontrolled? But we're to suppress the flesh with the affections and lust thereof. But them that are without, the unsaved, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked persons. That wicked person. Romans 1, 28. Romans 1. And we want verse 28. 28 to 32. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Listen to the words here. Listen to this. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God was in all their thoughts. God is in all, all our thoughts. And everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. But they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't like they didn't want to be mindful of the lord and the lord's ways in everything that they were doing they just like to just run off and just react to things and just talk uncontrolled and their behavior entertainment is just whatever it is god is not in all their thoughts where have we heard that before genesis 6 7 8 9 noah's flood that the Lord looked down upon the world and he saw violence is in all the world and God was not in all their thoughts. That there was no remembrance of the Lord anymore. No remembrance of the Lord. They did not care about God and God's ways. They don't care. They don't care. God was not in all their thoughts. God gave them over to, the, to a reprobate mind. That when the individuals choose to be like that, they say, okay, fine, you know what? Go ahead. All right, let's see how that works out. He, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection that's inordinate affection implacable unmerciful who knowing the judgment of god that they which commit that live in unrepentantly those who are unrepentant unconvicted of it there's no conviction that they which commit such things are worthy of death that's the death of hell not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them well i don't do it but you love watching it but you love joking about it. But you love talking about it. But you don't mind thinking about it. Oh, you might not go and actually fornicate. But you have no problem watching pornography. 
Oh, you have no problem uh, 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 with uh, looking at those pictures on Instagram. You have no problems uh, secretly taking those second glances and giving those thoughts and, and, and lusting and hating and railing. Oh, you might actually murder, but you hate them. As the Bible says, to hate is murder of the heart. You see, to take pleasure, to take pleasure in them that do them. Is you you might not do it, but you like being pleasured by it. You like watching it on the screen. You might not actually go and murder the person, but you don't mind watching films about it. Tell me I'm wrong. Is God this strict regarding this kind of stuff? Is this how God sees it? Is this how, how God feels about it? Or am I wrong? Now, again, again, folks, this is the church of Corinth. This is the church of Corinth. Where just a few years before that, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, miracle worker, evangelist, missionary, number one, Apostle Paul, went to, went to Corinth witnessed and evangelized and worked signs and wonders and preached the gospel and led people to the Lord great revivals established a church taught them the doctrines got them going and within a few years this is where they are how can we apply that to ourselves you got born again saved just a few years ago just a little while ago, not that long ago, you got born again, saved. It doesn't take long now, does it? It doesn't take long to become apathetic. It doesn't take long to become dry. It doesn't take long to, to start allowing things back in your lives again. It doesn't take long to wind up to be like a dog returning to their vomit. It doesn't take long, does it, for the world to tempt you long enough and, and often enough if you start compromising, letting things in. It doesn't take long now, does it, where you start having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness and you start being compromised because of, the, their, because of their behavior and their leaven starts leavening you. It doesn't take long now, does it, where you're devotions and your prayers all it starts falling off it doesn't take long now does it where your where your convictions and your discipline in the lord that starts being compromised it doesn't take long now does it now we're all guilty we're all guilty i'm guilty you're guilty we're all guilty but what can we pull out of this he is faithful he is faithful Purge out from you these things. This is what you do. Verse 7. Purge it out. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Stop making excuses for sin. Get it out. Don't put it back on the bookshelf. Throw it out. Don't just it's, it, it, say, well, I'm not going to put it delete remove don't make excuses don't compromise gather it up get it out if it if it's unforgiveness railing spite anger or whatever else repent of it purge that out 
Don't make excuses. Stop stop playing the game of Adam and blaming others. Blame yourself. You did it. You were wrong. Get it out. Repent. Return to the Lord. Get yourself right with the Lord. Get yourself right with the Lord. Acknowledge it was wrong and ask the Lord to forgive you and go apologize. Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. Well, you don't know what they... Swallow your pride. If you will not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to anger, holding on to bad feelings, bad attitude towards people, what makes you think the Lord's going to even listen to you? Get yourself right because it's right. Get yourself right because it's right. Swallow your pride. Turn away from your sin. Get yourself right with the Lord. What makes you think that the Lord is giving revival to you and to those around you if you won't bring revival to your own life? You're praying for the rain with the washtub upside down, as the old adage is. You're praying for the rain with the washtub upside down. It is you, you want it to come, but you're not doing those things which are right. You want the Lord to bless, but you won't walk with him. You want the Lord to save others, but you're not witnessing. You want the Lord to convict others, but you're not convicted. You need to point the finger at yourself. Get yourself right first. Moat in the beam. Your glorying is not good. Stop being puffed up. Stop making excuses. Stop looking for loopholes. Stop compromising and walk with the Lord as he ought. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? This message is for me as much as anyone else. I'm preaching at myself as much as everyone else. As we all need to hear this. We all need a good avalanche of conviction. We all need a big avalanche of conviction. Get ourselves right with the Lord. And be mindful of the Lord. And mindful of the Lord's ways. Not because we have to. Because we, we want to. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to? He saved you from, from death and hell. He saved you from the condemnation of hell. Why would you want to go back and play in that playground again? Why would you want to uh, stare at that and, and be nostalgic over sin again? Why would you want to do that? Because the flesh wants it. The flesh lusts against the spirit. The flesh hates righteousness. The flesh loves the, loves death and all dead things. The flesh loves darkness. The flesh compromises darkness. The flesh will make uh, make uh, agreements. The flesh will, will, will argue with you. The flesh will make deals with you. The flesh will even make deals with you for sin. Well, you don't have to go just, just if you just go look at that again. Can I just get one more look? Can I just think of that one more? Can I just hear that song one more time? Can, we, can we just watch that movie once, just once, just for old time's sake? You know, you can even skip through it, you know. The flesh will bargain. The flesh will deal. The flesh will long. The flesh will hate and compromise. The flesh will do all kinds of things. The flesh will fight you. The flesh will war with you. The, the world, devil, and hell, and flesh all come at you at the same time to wear you down. Give no place to the devil. And that is a broad brush, generic, sweeping term. There's no room, there's not one spot for any of that. You're a child of God, 
an heir with Christ. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're a priest of the Most High God. You're the living temple of the living God. Know ye, know ye not that ye are the temple of the living God? Don't you realize what that means? Look what Paul says. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Does your behavior, your dress, your manner, your conversation, your thought, your entertainment, your lifestyles, hobbies, interests, work life, home life, private life, does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? Is it glorifying flesh and the world's ways and the ways of hell? It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what I feel. Our opinions are irrelevant. Our opinions and feelings and presumptions are completely, absolutely, utterly irrelevant. You do not own you. You do not have your own rights. Your rights were surrendered when you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you became the temple of the living God. He now owns you. He owns you. You're bought with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ purchased you. <coughs> Excuse me. He purchased you. Therefore glorify God, which is your right. That's your right. This is your liberty. This is your constitution. This is a book of your rights. Why would you not want that? Why would you not want that? <coughs> Excuse me. It's a hard message. To the flesh. Those who allow their flesh to rule them will get their backs up over this message. Those who are the goats, wolves, and rats will get worked up and upset about this message. Goats, wolves, and rats will name call deride and start start blame start pulling the blame game and will try to compromise, work around, loopholes, and all the rest of it. The goats, wolves, and rats won't listen to this goats wolves and rats will, will get all worked up and they'll be thinking within themselves who do they think they are and they, and they and they start blaming and start compromising and they'll start contradicting and all the rest of it goats wolves and rats won't like this won't like the sound of sound doctrine i pray and hope you'll listen I hope that this message will fall on your ears and that you will hear it. Those who have ears to hear, let me hear it. The Spirit saith unto the churches, This is the Word of God. This is Scripture. Everything that I said is flat out, uh, just plain Jane, clear-cut Scripture. 
It's the word of God. This is Bible doctrine. This is what is given to the churches. This is for born again believers. This is for today as much as it was for back then. And if you try to make excuses for this, you try to, to compromise with this, you try to work around this, you try to find loopholes and all that, I'm telling you right now, you're you're on your way in the behavior of a goat, wolf, or rat. And you are in great danger. You're in great danger. Stop excusing sin. Stop excusing sin. As Paul called out the church of Corinth, he's calling us out today. It's as much meant for us today as it was back then. All because society says it's all right. Society says bestiality is normal and can be normalized. Society says you go fornicating anywhere and do whatever you want and the bestiality, all the rest of it. You can go do, be, have whatever you want. Do what thou wilt is the whole of the law, as Aleister Crowley says. That's, that's the rule of society today. We're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. They have no truth in them. Truth is only found in Jesus Christ and is his word in his word and his word alone. They pass laws and dictations and bills to try to try to condone and, and tolerate uh, all kinds of sin and forms of sin. And um, they pass laws in my nation that make me a criminal now for saying this message. This message I gave today is technically actually, believe it or not, the message I just gave today, this broadcast is against the law here in Canada. Everything that I just said in this message today actually makes me a criminal by Canadian law. But we ought to serve God. We ought to fear God. And we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than the flesh. We ought to obey God rather than this world. We ought to obey God rather than hell. We ought to obey God rather than our opinions and feelings. We ought to obey God rather than, than modern so-called social bills and laws and rules. What God says is the only truth and if you don't like that, if you got a problem with that, you got a problem with God. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't care uh, what popes, priests, or kings say. I don't care what any person in the pulpit says. If they contradict what this word says, if they try to excuse sin, if they try to work around what the Bible says, they try to find ways to compromise, to allow things in this world and say, well, say this is too strict, too harsh, or it doesn't mean this, they're of the devil. What does scripture say? What does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? That is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith, the practice of faith. And if you don't like that, you don't like God. Let's end it with that. So there you go. What it says, what it means. What it says, what it means. We need to be, we need to be strict according to scripture gently dogmatic this is what it says this is what it means and if you don't like it tough it's warhammer apologetics it's what it is as the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ then jeremiah 23 29 is not my word as a fire and like a hammer that breaks uh, uh, breaks the stone to pieces it's the warhammer of truth as Charles Spurgeon says, the word of God is the anvil on, upon which the opinions of men are smashed. 
This is the anvil upon which the opinions of men are smashed. What this says is what it means. God is strict. God is sovereign. God is absolute. God is righteous. And he asks us to walk in righteousness. Why would you want to compromise that? Just for a moment of fleshly satiation? Is that worth it? Is it really worth it? Bro, just a, a moment's pleasure. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Why compromise? Why compromise? That's what I'm going to rename this, this broadcast as. Why compromise? Why would you compromise? For a moment's pleasure? What's it worth to you? Is it really worth your fellowship with Christ? Is it really worth compromising your walk with God for a moment's sin? You know, my mom actually had a great explanation on this. Uh, she told me one time, there's a great way of seeing this, uh, of the Christian's walk. We're walking down, down the road of life with Jesus Christ, right? They're walking down the road, and on the sides are buildings and shops and storefronts and multi-stores, and devils are hanging out the windows. Temptations are hanging out the windows. You have flail in their arms, and they got flashy, uh, colorful things and sweet-smelling things, all kinds of stuff, calling at us, drawing us, and trying to get our attention. Look over here, look over here, and I'll try this out. Take this. What do you think of this? Running up into our faces. Hey, you want some of this? What's some of this? Trying to get our attention. All you gotta do is just keep walking. All you gotta do is just ignore it. Don't look. Don't listen. Count the cobblestones. Eyes down. Head forward. Eyes down. Keep walking. Count the cobblestones. Count your blessings. Call upon the Lord. Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord evermore. Quote the scriptures. Sing the songs. Stay with Christ. Avoid temptation. Flee youthful lusts. Keep yourselves walking in, in the ways of the Lord. All you gotta do is keep walking. The righteous men fall seven times and rises again. They might get in front of you. might get in your way. You might trip and fall. Get back up. Keep going. Stop staying down and wallowing in misery. Oh, you cry. Oh, I fell. Oh, I, what do I do? Get up and keep walking. Get up and keep walking. Head forward. Eyes down. Keep marching. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Equip yourselves. Be strong. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Excuses is the argument of the pathetic. Excuses. Stop making them. What it says, what it means. Get yourself right. Start speaking as you're supposed to. Start walking as you should. Honor the Lord in all things. In everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. This is born-again Christianity. Yes, we're held by grace. We're saved by grace. The grace of our Lord is upon us. We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. But that doesn't mean that he won't discipline that doesn't mean that the lord won't won't bring a, a, a chastisement upon us if we go if we go astray you know one of the things about about the shepherd the shepherd will leave the 99 and to go and find the one 
Do you know what the shepherds used to do back in the day? And this, you can go look this up. Back in the day, what the shepherds in Israel, what they used to do, if they had a difficult sheep that just was stubborn, wouldn't do as it's told, and it would keep wandering, kept wandering, kept wandering, kept wandering, and, and they just wouldn't stop, and it wouldn't listen. You know what the shepherd would do? Oh, this may say, seem harsh. You might not, not, not like to hear this. They would break its leg. They'd break its leg, and they carried it on their shoulder. So it would stop wandering. It would learn to stop wandering. It's one of the things the shepherds would do. That's that's a harsh chastisement. That's a harsh judgment. But he doesn't disown the sheep. He corrects it. And sometimes it's severe. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of love. He is our good shepherd. He is a God of grace. He's, a, he's our God of salvation. Yes, we are his. We're held in his hymn. That doesn't mean that he isn't going to chastise us as a father does their children. When the child goes astray, when the child dis, uh, uh, disobeys, there's discipline and he will discipline. We don't obey him out of fear of discipline. We obey him because we love him. Watch your attitude, watch your purpose, watch your reason. Give this some thought. Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine your faith to see wherein it lies. Examine your home, examine your entertainment, examine all things, examine your speech. Watch your speech. And I, I'm just going to end on this one thing. I just want to bring up that it, it falls into the same category here about our language vulgarities you know it we're all guilty we've all done it we've all done it but i would like you just to hear these couple verses this is, i just have a couple verses i just want to read and, and i just want you to take into consideration in, in all of this and then we'll wrap this up ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks ephesians 4 29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace into the hearers you hear that no corrupt communication colossians 3 8 but now ye also put off all these anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth put it off filthy communication second timothy 2 16 but shun profane and vain babblings talking like an idiot talking foolish talk nonsensical talk profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness james 3 10 out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brethren these things ought not so to be how you can speak evil and speak bad and curse and all the rest of it and talk like uh, talk foolishness and then, then turn around saying oh i love jesus isn't that hypocrisy watch your words watch your thoughts watch your senses watch your hands watch your feet watch your lives as a warning paul is giving us a warning 
I know a lot of people don't really like to hear this. A lot of people will take offense at this. And frankly, I don't care. God said it, not me. It's not my words. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm glad I'm on this side of the camera. Don't shoot the messenger. These are God's words. Don't compromise it. Don't try to work around it. Don't try to fight against it. Don't try to resist it. Don't try to make excuses. Just accept it. Repent. Follow the Lord. Get yourself right. And I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, and the Lord, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. We will confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Follow the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. There you go. First Corinthians chapter 5. Alright, so there it is. Bit of a difficult one. A little bit of a heavy one. Yeah, but the, the faith in the word of God is not all just daisies and sunshine and rainbows. Uh, there's a lot of warning. That, that Just as there's blessings of the Lord, there's warnings and judgments of the Lord. There's warnings and judgments. We got to be mindful of it all. Mindful of it all. Uh, the whole church needs the whole counsel of God. And to shun the whole counsel, you bring upon yourselves judgment. So, yeah. Uh, okay, Force has a question. If a person says they can't get enough sex, so they sleep with anybody just to feel good, do you think they're controlled by an evil spirit? Yeah. They're, they're not saved. Uh, they, they have, they're, they are living in that they're they're controlled by that there's no conviction there's no repentance no love of the lord uh, that person is not saved and yes they're controlled by the flesh and, and the enemy absolutely that's 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 literally what we're what scripture warns about those who uh, those who commit these things will not enter the kingdom of heaven okay Gene uh, says the devil is everywhere to be seen lately. We need to be strong and reject temptation, right? Right, exactly. And how can we know what is a temptation? Well, we first we got to know what is righteousness. To understand sin, we got to understand righteousness. To understand righteousness, we got to understand sin. So, uh, so what is righteousness of God? What is unrighteousness? That which contradicts the righteousness of God. What God says is righteous behavior. Anything that is contrary to that is sin. We avoid that. Yep. They get people get offensive and try to point out your faults. You know, they take offense to these things. All right. And and now ask yourself the question: Why would a person take offense at this kind of message? Either because they, they, they're in this kind of sin and they don't want to leave it. Or two, they have their own personal interpretations and feelings of these things and they made themselves a god and you're going against their own preconceived notions. So, people don't want to accept the word of God as absolute. All right. Okay, Raven has a question. God said, I told you what is right, but if you're not going to listen, I will, I will give you up and let you deal with the consequences till you realize your error and repent and, and, and come home. 
if you have already been saved, then your life here on earth will suffer and your soul will be saved through Christ, but your flesh will be dimmed and suffer the wrath. Flesh, yes. So succinctly, that, that is a kind of a summarization, right? As you see, see by, for example, the prodigal son, he came near the end. And we saw what state he was in, but he repented and, and he returned to his father. But we see individuals who refuse and harden themselves, where the scriptures talk about searing your conscience with a hot iron, where you no longer feel anything. You don't feel anything. That Christians can get to that state, and that's the Ananias and Sapphira state. That's the first uh, First Corinthians five five state, where you sear your conscience and you, be, you become uh, arrogant uh, towards conviction and towards counsel, and that's where you are in grave danger. You're in grave danger. Now, okay, and uh, we're talking about condemnation as, uh, as we're discussing this. Condemnation uh, of, of hell and condemnation of flesh. Now, there's a different approach. There's the two angles in this. There's the condemnation of the unsaved, where they're in danger of the condemnation of hell. Now, we cannot lose our salvation. We cannot go to hell. We have not the condemnation of the wrath of God upon us uh, in sin. But we see a judgment, a chastisement, the punishment for sin, that there is a condemnation upon sin. And when sin gets into our lives, God must deal with that. He must deal with it. But our spirits cannot be condemned. Our flesh can. Our flesh can. And we saw pictures and we saw teaching. We saw examples of that in Scripture. So so we want to make sure we understand what point, uh, uh, what angle, what context we're talking about when we're talking about condemnation. It's appointed to men once to die, but after this, judgment. Okay. Um, High Law has a question. Is doing contortion, that's like the, I guess, like the circus contortioners and all that stuff. No, it's not sin. That's just a form of acrobat type thing. Or what's, what's the word? Um, yeah, it's just, you're very flexible. You show how flexible you can be. Well, again, no, that's not sin in of itself, no. Again, Raven says, God is the one who condemns. Saved and unsaved. The difference is that those who are saved are given the grace of salvation of our soul through Christ, but the flesh can and will suffer judgment, will suffer wrath. You're right. Uh, in that, uh, yeah, we see how our bodies are the temple, but if you defile the temple, him shall God destroy. We see we see how the Lord will destroy the temple. His hard hand will come down upon the, his temple if you've defiled it. And defiling the temple is defiling your body. Give that some thought. Give that some thought. This is a message <laughs> you most likely would never hear in, in modern pulpits today. Okay, so there you go. Any other comments, questions, issues, insights regarding this uh, this study, regarding this topic, please go ahead and ask away. If not, we'll just wrap this up. Okay. Now, like I said, <laughs> you won't hear this kind of a message in, in most YouTube channels, in most broadcasts, in most uh, uh, podcasts, in most pulpits, most churches. You won't hear this kind of a message. Um, because uh, modern Christians, they just want uh, they just want to feel good. They want their ears tickled. They don't want to hear the the harsh truths of the Word of God. 
They they want uh, they want uh, simple things. They want light things. They want milk and not meat. This message is a message of the meat of the word. This is what the word of God says. This is doctrine. This is doctrine. These are the strict things, the strict counsels of God. So give this some thought. Don't run from it. Don't don't try to excuse it. Accept it. Listen to it. Study it out yourself. So. If you're coming in partway through this, uh, please make sure you rewatch this whole thing and listen to it again. And if you have uh, questions on this afterwards, you can message me uh, through our website. You can contact or you can wait till the next broadcast or you can bring it up and we can go over this again. Um, so, yeah, and as well as check out our website. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and links to other platforms. We've got free downloadable uh, gospel track PDFs and all kinds of other goodies there. Make sure you check that out. As well as our other uh, playlists, we got tons and tons of studies and Bible studies and topics and things we've gone over. Make sure you check all that out as well. And with that, I guess we'll wrap it up. So there you go, folks. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.